Stab, but, but, stab. Believe it or not, that's not a description of Joe's Saturday night. I'm Kevin Leeson. Look, only Bruce Lee can make nunchucks look cool. I'm Lisa Gimino. Mouth to mouth from Tanya Harding? I'd rather take a baton to the knee. I'm Joe Fulgham. Back off, or I'll spray you with maces. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. word origin for bludgeon comes from 1868 from an earlier noun meaning a short club perhaps uh. from middle french boujon which is comes from bouger a club okay well, that makes sense yeah. well it's very straightforward yeah it is uh-huh. club is also circa 1200 from old norse kluba cudgel from peroto germanic klumbon Sounds like a decent way to describe getting hit, like something that would hit you. And it sounds on, on, on oh, a rapido almost. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. at the food fair. I got I got uh, Clumbon the other day, right next to Cinnabon. And returning from uh, our Fisticuffs episode is our special guest, Bert Lisa. Yay for me. Uh-huh. I'm incredibly honored to be here. Always makes my day. Blunt bludgeoning objects. Yes. Smashy things. Mm-hmm. And what makes you, uh, what's your bona fides? I just stole Kevin's line. Yeah, oh, I'm like wow. I was waiting for Kevin to say it. Um, well, Couldn't wait. I'm getting I'm getting usurped. Well, we had this, we had this answered in our yeah 22 in years of tra- cuffs episode. Yeah, 22 years of training. Last 10 years with the uh, Filipino martial arts, which is very heavily into uh, stick fighting. And oh, I am a newly minted purple belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, which has nothing to do with blunt objects. I just wanted to get that on there on tape. Oh, nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. minted, minted. Yeah. So you don't have a rhabdophobia? I do not have rhabdophobia. In fact, is there a rhabdophilia? Yeah. Not the the antithesis of the fear of being beaten by a rod or instrument of punishment. Uh, I like the fact that rhabdophobia actually also means being severely criticized. Fear of being severely criticized. That I do have, actually. Uh, Rhabdophobia is the fear of being beaten physically with a blunt object or being criticized verbally. It's the same thing. No one ever said that English made sense. (laughs) entertaining nonetheless. I think most, many people said that English didn't make sense, though. Rhabdophilia well, refers to sexual urges, preferences, or fantasies involving being beaten or flogged. Wow, so, I uh-huh. really, really hate you right now, Joe. <laughs> You've heard it here first. <laughs> Excellent. Good to know. Yeah, I've been outed. So what was the first recorded uh, instance of a club? Who knows? Anyone? It's got to be. It's got to be like seriously, <laughs> like the first when we stood up. Yeah, it has <laughs> to be before that. Really, pretty much the first weapon we ever used. Right? Three million now. What are yeah. we at? That yeah. was uh, our ancestors in front of that huge monolith. Yeah, and yeah. the one of them saw the bone yeah. and got the idea thanks to the monolith and picked it up and started smashing. Right. Things I'm guessing it. somebody picked up a rock and hit something with a rock, and then somebody else picked up a stick and hit it from further away than the rock. See, I'm went, safer because I'm farther away from that raccoon or whatever the hell I just bludgeoned. And then later we discovered (laughs) physics and understood that that meant that the end of the the stick was going faster and you could impart more leverage. Leverage. Yeah. And then they celebrated. I believe it's pronounced leverage. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm I'm a little thirsty. I'm going to have some of this beverage. (laughs) (laughs) That's an entirely different episode. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good Saturday night. If you get some beverages. I have to admit that is a completely stolen from John Lovett's joke, but oh, okay. well, I, I'm just giving him props there. Sincerest form okay. of flattery. Sticks. 
sticks, sticks as as bludgeoning objects. Sticks and bones. But then at some point, the stick became went from a stick to a mace. Yeah, and the first maces were made out of uh, clay or um, stone, usually. And the problem with anything like clay or stone is that it's friable, and you hit an, you hit a harder thing with it, and it yeah. will break. And mm. a vast majority of things are harder than clay, so they weren't exactly very durable weapons. Almost, as Kevin was saying before we started taping, almost every single culture has developed some form of that, though, almost immediately. Clubby, smashy weapon, yeah. You would combine that stone and the stick and you would tie the stone to the end of the stick. And it would become, oh oh my God, suddenly you could smash things harder and faster and, oh wow, now I can break up logs and make a house and, oh, maybe if I hit the guy over the hill with this, I could take his woman, you know? And his house. And his house. I don't have to build the house. Why build a house? Just... They, I mean, you, when you start doing the research for this subject, you pretty much find out that almost every culture recorded in human history has their own sort of like club and name for a club and some little sort of like specific thing that makes their club slightly, slightly different, different than everybody yeah. else's club. And it's really just a club. Yeah. Build a man a house and he has a house. <laughs> Build a man a Build club. Build a man a club and he has everyone's house. <laughs> now, the military mace differs from a hammer in that the head of the mace is radially symmetric. Right, so you right. can hit it from no matter which hand you're holding it in, no matter exactly. what side. Exactly, yeah, it can yeah, be delivered can. just as effectively with any side of the head. Now, you think like a baseball bat, they have like the, the, the logo on them, and they want to turn it up so that they, even though it's the same all the way around, I really like to hit it with this side. You want to leave the imprint on the skull there the correct go. way up so that oh, yeah. people find no later, you know, yeah. who was here. Like stamp it, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. Stamp <laughs> your kills. Yeah. yeah. Oh, beautiful. I totally need to start doing that. <laughs> At what point, my interest with these is with the flanged maces and with these radio, radially symmetric maces is what point is that no longer a bludgeoning weapon? How sharp does it have to be? Yeah, <laughs> yeah because you go from a flanged blunt, quote unquote, Yeah, and they were mace, rounded usually, yeah. And then you get knobs. Yeah, uh, and then which, they turn into spikes. And then they turn into spikes. So where does the knob become a spike? Well, I guess when it is depends it, when on how is much. When is a spike now a spear? That was a scientific um, test that was made by collecting blood, I think, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> when the blood level gets this high, <laughs> How much blood have we drawn? I always loved the thing with spiky the weapon. clerics using maces and in real life, too, because they didn't want to draw blood. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what? <laughs> how are you using that thing? <laughs> it's just gentle <laughs> prodding. Just, like, Jesus loves you. Poke, poke, poke. Jesus loves you. Internal bleeding doesn't count. We That's all know right. that. That's true. You, you can't see skin. it. It's not there. Exactly. Yeah. Except for God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's everywhere. Absolutely. Well, you know that the anus is God's blind spot, right? <laughs> well, then why does he give such a crap about who puts what there? Maces normally weighed one to three pounds only. Which is actually fine. The yeah. Cali sticks that I use weigh much less ounces, and they can generate horrific amounts of force. What's a Cali stick? Cali stick is a uh, hardened rattan, which is used in the Filipino martial art. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, used, they're varying lengths. Yeah, these are all extremely good examples. In fact, right down there, uh, third row down, that's the exact bag that I have. Um, those are hardwood ones. The ones next to that picture are hardwoods. And uh, the rest of them are going to be whippy... Um, Canes, rattan, which is a cane, usually fire hardened, um, often with pretty designs on them, and uh, you know, anywhere from two feet, two and a half feet long. So, for anybody who's listening and mm-hmm. want to actually see what L- Lisa's referring to, they can go to the po- the website and caustic We'll obviously put some of these images up. Mm-hmm. They're um, 
they're the chosen weapon for most of the uh, Southeast Asian arts because okay. they're obviously easy to make. Mm-hmm. Cheap. Cheap, easy to make, readily available, um, efficient. And they have the advantage of being all, all similar or the same. So if I'm on a battlefield and I drop my weapon, I can turn around and pick up another weapon and it's exactly going to have the same weight, uh. the same throw, the same everything behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love these things because they are extremely light and extremely dangerous. Can I, you conceal it in your trench coat? I you can't carry a concealed weapon in Canada. <laughs> well, legally. legally, yeah. I uh, it can be concealed. You can't carry a concealed weapon in Canada. You actually, can put have... it down your pants, but then you have to affect the limp. Yes, actually, <laughs> or you have to affect that you're a porn star. Well, speaking of prohibited weapons, <laughs> you got a flail. Don't tell Mike that I brought this into his workplace. Right, and don't drop it on the table and leave a dent. <laughs> what exactly is this, Torn? That's a spiked flail. Okay, all right. Now, without the spikes, this could be considered a blunt weapon as well. It's actually still considered a blunt weapon. I, again, at what point does it become not a blunt weapon? Mm. You know what those were used for? I, I when researching this episode, I didn't realize this. I just thought that they were silly. Um, <laughs> knights used them to get behind the shields of other knights. Yeah, exactly. And then pull them down. Right. Yeah, yeah so uh, mm-hmm. to describe it, it's a, uh, it's a stick with two chains on the, coming out the end of it. And two giant spiky balls at the end of those chains, and I guess you would like swing it over your head or in a I circle. Call in some them way giant, sh- even they're not that big. Okay, they're about um, fist size, less than a size of golf yeah. ball or of uh, tennis balls. I yeah. have tiny little hands, and they're a little bit smaller than my. How hands. about uh, how about giant in this in the way that I would not want them in my face or my striking yes. me in the side of the head in any way, shape, sure. or form? More giant than a ping pong ball, yes. and heavier. <laughs> Uh, so I'm guessing you would swing this over your head or like in a circular motion somehow. Yeah, you'd spin it around. And that's the kind of the difficulty with these flail weapons is that once you start to lose momentum, once you like, once you, once you get it up to speed, it's great. Yeah. And you can just swing it around. You create this kind of radius of destruction all around you. The, uh, the helicopter of death. Yeah. But if uh, you have to stop, then everyone can get hurt. Yeah. Including yourself. <laughs> exactly. Especially yourself. The interesting, the interesting thing about these any chain weapon is that when you've achieved the, the correct speed, they actually essentially act as a stick. Right. They right. act. They act as a single long weapon. But again, yeah, the pain and the pain and destruction come from the oh, and now I've lost momentum and I've just hit myself in it's the gonads. For, it's for getting yeah. behind shields and dehorsing people. Yes, exactly. And the great flail was six foot long with a two foot long uh, swindle. I think they're called, which is basically just sticks attached to sticks by chains. Yeah, and those are like direct descendants from actual agricultural tools, right? Yeah, pretty. That's much. what I heard. Uh, so, Torin, from personal anecdote perspective, have you ever had an unfortunate flail incident? I only use this for drawing purposes. Okay. Wink, wink, wink. It's research. That's right. I would have written it off if I could have claimed it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me claim this illegal device. Yeah, exactly. But, can't buy uh, it, can't sell it, can't. And as to where I got it, I got it from uh, from a flind. From a flind. You know what a flind is, don't you, Joe? It's a type of knoll, I think. In D&D. Oh, was that under a bridge? Mm-hmm. No, that's, <laughs> that's a troll. A troll. Oh, that's damn. Troll. Okay. No. <laughs> I thought they all hung. They were buddies, aren't they? They're BFFs. Yeah. Best Flynn's forever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Knolls and nice. trolls and Flynn's, I'm sure, hang out quite a bit. Yeah. Lions and tigers Pair and bears. Lengths of their uh, yeah. Flynn weapons. What was it called? Is it called the Flynn bar? Flynn bar. bar. Yes. Not to be confused with the Hershey bar. <laughs> no, I think I'd rather have the Hershey bar. The Flynn bar. In was your a, face. Wasn't it like a giant sectional staff kind of that they would just It's basically like with? a, yeah, a great staff. Sectional or staff, a bit, also a technically flail, a flail. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, what other kind of blunt objects are we going to talk about today? Well, what in the kind of, of flail family is uh-huh. the nunchaku. 
Ah, uh, yes. Also prohibited weapon. Uh-huh. It's interesting when you look at the prohibited weapons list. There's only three or four that are technically blunt objects. Um, and the prohibited weapons list, what I asked when I read it was, hey, how come there's no knives on here? And I was advised, there's a whole nother list for knives. Right. <laughs> well, <of course>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's the nunchucks, um, what's called the steel cobra, which is a spring-loaded, very whippy, flexible baton. Oh, um, steel anything cobra. spring-loaded you don't want you can't have pretty much and um manrika gusari which is technically a um, bludgeoning weapon it's the weighted ch- on the end of a chain uh, is that the- what the what's her face go go yeah. girl from yeah i think so yeah, from Kill Kill Bill. Bill. um yeah those are it basically it's sort of random the list is a little bit random and it's kind of um based on you can tell it's like a lawyer's terminology. Somebody got really hurt with this right. at some this point. This is going on the list. This is going on the me. list some, <laughs> because, yeah, some dude did something. But nunchucks are prohibited. You can't bring them in. You can't sell them. You can't own them. Uh-huh. Um, they're also, I blame Bruce Lee. They're not used the way people like to use them. You don't flip them around. And they, what? anyone you see flipping them around their groin and around their head is just getting what they deserve at the end of yeah. it. Okay. I mean, it's, it's basically YouTube fodder at that point. They're just a flail. They, they have the advantage of being the same on either end. So you can pick them up with either hand. You right. can use them the same way, no matter how you pick them up. It's just a flail. Unlike all those times I picked up my, uh, my spiky flail by the spiky part yeah. by accident in the heat of battle <laughs> because i'm a bruce lee fan i did a little extra reading on nunchaku oh, myself no. they're originally from okinawa yes yep. there are a couple of theories as to their origin mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of lost in antiquity one being that it was originally a flail used to thresh rice or so- soybeans that just got repurposed for fighting purposes uh, another was that it, they were actually adapted from a wooden clapper called a hiyoshiki that was carried by the village night watch. That one kind of made sense to me because you'd have somebody kind of patrolling and making sure yeah. nobody was stealing anything or assaulting anybody. And, you know, they had these two wooden sticks that they would smack together as kind of like a, hey, something's going on over here. Wake up, fire, or something like well that. Well before the invention of the whistle. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And then, you know, if somebody came at them because they were, you know, burglaring, bur- burgling somebody. Mm-hmm. And they could just like, hey, I'm going to clap. And then I'm going to hit you with my clappers. Just oh, a, double. Clap on, like, clap off? Yeah, it's yeah. a little self-defense mechanism. Uh, and then the third theory was that um, they were developed in response to a moratorium on edged weaponry yeah. under the Satsuma Daimyo in the 17th century. But one thing that's pointed out is no matter what its origins were, it's pretty much universally agreed that it wasn't a particularly popular weapon. Mm. No. Because that there is no known traditional nunchaku kata, and this is possibly a result of its lack of efficiency against such weapons as the sword. Yes. So, there you go. It had, like any other chain-linked weapon, it had the advantage it could be used as a sword breaker, but you better be fast <laughs> to be able to catch and break it. You know, it's yeah. like, the t- it's like um, Sai. Sai have no military purpose, save only as a sword breaker. They're not ever right. used as a weapon. <laughs> they're they're blunt. Right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. They're they're like the entire Electra. I'm going to stab you with. No, never happened. They don't stab people. Well, with she's a superhero. They, yeah, she's exactly. Sharpened hers, they specifically yeah. only are used for catch break. Take that, Donatello. No, Michelangelo. Mike, Raphael had the Raphael size. Raphael had the oh, size. Why did they give the baddest... I was still stuck the, on nunchucks. The most badass turtle, the, the crappiest weapon. Because he doesn't Wait. need to hit you with the weapon. And then in the same region of the world is the Kanabo, oh. often used by the Oni, 
of course, the Japanese demons, the spiked slash knobbed club or truncheon used in feudal Japan. Good times. Yeah, so it's basically just like a mace, but we made the head much bigger. Yeah, this was uh, this was featured on one of the episodes of Deadliest Warrior. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah, I saw it. And they uh, it was, uh, I think it was Samurai versus Viking. And uh, they had the, the, the big Viking great shield that they had to try and like smash with the kanabo and the mm. kanabo kind of like all the metal studs came flying off of it and so they weren't 100 percent sure that oh. uh, it was particularly effective oh yeah and of course uh, all the geeks are like it's not historically accurate the old ones were better yeah, yeah probably okay. not uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> today there is a saying in japanese like giving a kanabo to an oni which means give to give an extra advantage to someone who already has the advantage oh, oh cool i should start using that what about truncheons or batons? Truncheons are also called a kosh, paddywhacker, billy stick, billy club, nightstick, sap, blackjack, or stick. Oddly enough, on the shape and- yeah, every one of those is a different shape. Yeah. yeah, and where they come from. Yeah, and where they come from exactly. And, you know, if you want to get into the improvised weapons, blackjack often refers to an improvised weapon as well. In the Victorian era, police in London carried billy clubs, which turns out uh, is slang for a burglar's crowbar. Oh, mm, so, club, yeah. so it started out, burglars would have a billy club to pry open windows and rob places. Yeah. And then, then the, the police adopted that term for right, their the, the, for the anti-criminal thing they, for the thing device. they hit the yeah, burglars yeah. with. He probably took them over. Someone probably took one away from a burglar and went, and hey, this is it. useful. <laughs> yeah. whack, whack, whack. <laughs> the truncheon acted as the policeman's warrant card as the royal crest attached to it indicated the policeman's authority. This was mm. always removed when the equipment left official service. Mm. Okay. I bet if you found one with a crest on it, it'd be worth So it. you'd be a little averse to asking to see their ID, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, sir, can I come in and take a look around? Can I see your war? Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I guess that's that's a uh, that's a de facto authority, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I have a bigger stick than you, yeah. is authority. It's like, yeah. you want to see my, my warrant? Here you go. Conk. Before the 1970s, it was common for law enforcement in the UK to brain suspects, <laughs> strike their heads, in order to stun them or knock them unconscious. However, this was unreliable and potentially fatal. <laughs> yeah. Civil lawsuits changed all that. Today, it is not permitted to hit the skull, sternum, spine, or groin unless such an attack is unavoidable. You have, you're supposed to aim for um, uh, large, meaty chunks of the body, which the, is the reason why Billy clubs and, and nightsticks have become an ineffective tool. Seriously, you well, can take... why they always, whenever you see the videos of them taking somebody down, they're always swinging at the back of their legs. Well, and, that's where the perineal nerve is. Yeah, it's actually, but the thing is, is trust me, I couldn't hit that accurately and I've been doing it for, for right. a decade. That's why some of them hit them like 40, 50 times, <laughs> yes. obviously. Just, you get up those 40, gotta 50 times, you gotta hit the nerve once. Nerve. <laughs> no, or, just, or just the whole like, let me know when I've hit the nerve, okay? It's, yeah. it, it'd, be, it'd be easier, it'd be a lot better if they could hit the extremity because you can hit an, if I can hit a, you can hit a forearm, you can hit a shin and it's going to cause pain it's not going to do a lot of damage if you if you you know if you get on big enough windup it is but it will cause pain anyone holding a weapon will drop the weapon it's actually way more effective and far less damaging you wouldn't have to hit them 40 or 50 times right. you hit someone on the shin well, they're probably going to fall over it really hurts there are plenty of times that you don't have to hit them 40 or 50 times yes. sometimes they do it for fun <laughs> None of the ones I know, I'll As tell you that much. mentioned in our uh, bad, bad cops, cops yeah. episode. So, yeah. Thankfully, I don't know any of those a cops. little callback. Yeah. The NYPD during the day used a club 11 inches in length. This okay. was known as the day stick. Okay. The baton used at night 
was 26 inches long. Whoa. So did the nightstick, nightstick burst into flames when you brought it out in the That's day? Right. Did it no, drink blood? it's just everybody recognized that it was police brutality. <laughs> yeah. Ah, there we out go. In the, out in the daytime, so they used a shorter one. Yeah. Oh, this is all we hit people with, unless it's dark and you can't tell it's more than twice as long. <laughs> uh, you just have to be able to reach somebody a slightly further away. I actually, it's weird. I actually think a 26-inch stick would be ridiculous and useless. <laughs> no, it's only two feet. <laughs> Poka poka poka. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that way. You, yeah, you can uh, you can poke the. Yes, the it's a much longer poking poking action. Yeah, the homeless. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't want to get too close to them because they smell. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd also like to talk about the Gunstock War Club, indigenous weapon used by Native Americans, named for its similar appearance to the wooden stocks of muskets and rifles of the time. Gunstock clubs were most predominantly used by the Eastern Woodland and Northern Plains tribes in the 18th and 19th centuries, and we'll post a picture of this, of course. Mm. Yeah, so this didn't exist before Europeans showed up, like because they they actually emulated the size and shape of the European gun stocks. The rifle was used as a blunt weapon for a lot of. Well, yeah, those, when yeah. those reloading times and people are were a char- minute and a half. Yeah, yeah. And it's like a bayonet charge. You're like, okay, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna whip this around and crack you over the head with it. Could have also been one of those things that you know you got all these native guys walking up, and from afar they look like they have a bunch of rifles. Yeah. It turns mm-hmm. out they're just a bunch of clubs, mm-hmm. but you may, you know, your foe might be, uh-oh, here comes... Uh, here comes they got, oh dear. Yeah. Here comes that thunder and death that uh, those Europeans have been porting around here. And then I guess uh, we could also talk about that flying blunt object, the boomerang. Oh. <laughs> Which not even the Aboriginal people of Australia actually use. <laughs> yeah, what, what, this seems, has always felt to me like there's like a lot more myth surrounding it than reality. It, it is used as a hunting weapon very, in a very limited degree. Uh, as soon as they got something better, they threw it away. Uh, they don't use it. And it, it came right back. Was, yeah. It came right back. It, yeah, it is <laughs> coming back. Um, even, even an experience. This weapon is useless. <laughs> this weapon is useless. <laughs> this weapon is useless. <laughs> and then someone stepped in between them and it hit them in the head and they went, oh, Oh, hang on. Hold on a second. <laughs> if I can trick him to standing directly in front of me every time. Yeah, it, they're not used, really. I'm, I've seen them used as hunting weapons, mostly, unfortunately, by Caucasians who have taken it up. Yeah. Um, Just for fun. Yeah, for fun. Throwing sticks actually were more often used. It's just a stick that you threw it at birds, basically. Back when they had flocks of 20,000, 40,000 birds. Yeah, you have this hot, giant flock, you just huck you it. And, like, the and it would yeah. hit like yeah. 10 the of them. Yeah. Yeah, the, the old saying was like, oh, I could hit the broad side of a bird instead of, uh, yeah. that was the original saying. Yeah, so I mean. That it's, was in the time of the four rikers, yeah. which were the 20-foot tall birds. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully, Even, we invented barns, though, because <laughs> it just didn't make sense. Yeah, then once, we get, once we'd driven the, uh, was it the carrier pigeon into extinction? <laughs> We put yeah. up the first barn, and somebody stood there looking at it and went, you know, this is probably a lot easier to hit than a flock of birds. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, that was the original purpose of the barn. It solely was only just for to the throw people sticks at. to throw sticks yeah. at and for people to reference in metaphors. We could, you know, instead of just throwing sticks at this, we could put our animals inside. <laughs> Hang on. The cows keep running away. And keep mm-hmm. them safe. Yep. Uh, just, we could, it was just a measuring tool for how well you could hit something. <laughs> yeah. Just say, yeah. Is it big enough? I don't know. Throw some sticks. You missed. <laughs> Got to make it bigger. Well, this is the broad side, so you have to hit it 100%. Exactly. The, yeah. the other side doesn't have to be as wide. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Should we move into fighting styles? Yeah, because yeah, right. we've milked that one as much as we <laughs> I possibly I think that's as far can. as we're going to go on that. And yeah. the cows inside of it. So tell us about Kali. Kali is a westernized term for um, indigenous uh, weapons. How do they say it? 
They either use Arnis or Screma, depending on where they are in the Philippines and in the Southeast Asia. Uh, uh, Kali is a westernized version. Is Screma because that's what you do when somebody hits you with yes, one of these things? Yes, you Screma really hard. <laughs> Kali has become the western term for it. It's a portmanteau word, as I said there. It's probably a, con- a confluence of several different words. No one really knows where it came from. Somebody probably just thought it sounded cool but and even, started to use it. Even more importantly, what is it? It's uh, an art that is very heavily based on stick fighting. So two sticks, the rattan canes I was talking about earlier, usually one in each hand or a stick and a knife or a single stick, eventually leads into, we talked into fisticuffs, eventually into um, empty hand arts. But it is based, it's, it's bread and butter is double sticks. And I can't remember who told me this, but there's an old saying apparently in the Philippines that there are only three good stick fights and you can hear them. The first is thud. <laughs> okay, so no opposition. You yeah, got, you got the jump on him. You came at me, and I hit you in the head, and yeah, you're dead. And you're out. The okay. second is click thud. Okay, which is I struck at you, you, you parried, parried, I reposted, and you're dead. Uh huh. Okay. Third is click click thud. Okay. Which is you struck at me, I parried, I reposted, you parried, I hit you, and you're dead. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Somebody screwed up. Oh, oh, that's fair. So it's not like click, 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 no. click, 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 the, the video that I sent everyone of me and my instructor, we're doing a, a um, pattern. You weren't, you weren't actually trying to kill him? No. Okay. Because oh, I wouldn't be here to tape this if I was trying to kill him because I would be dead. <laughs> what we're doing there is um, a training pattern called Sinawali. The pattern we do in the video is called Heaven and Earth. So it's high, low, high. Um, there's a very fast version of it called Heaven Six, where you can actually get the sticks to smoke. Smoke? Yeah. Okay. You can actually get smoke rising from the sticks at the end of it and burning. All right. Yeah, it's actually quite entertaining. And I can do it, so it's not like it's difficult. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That sounds like that would be cool to see in a movie. It's like not... that you're stick fighting and then your sticks, sticks burst, burst into flames. flames. <laughs> yeah. So you're flaming stick fighting? That is Oh awesome. my God, we have to make this film. What about pistol whipping? Or, uh, or rifle butt ending? Or, yeah. Uh, well, I got something to say about this because I, uh, uh, as I've mentioned before in the past, uh, I have a military background, spent a couple years as a reservist and in basic training in the Canadian armed forces, they teach you a rifle drill, which, uh, includes what a, can you drill with a rifle? Well, you put a bayonet on the end. <laughs> you can, drill, uh, you can drill a it, pancreas. You can drill anything you want. <laughs> All right. So if I, I can actually demonstrate it, anybody in the room want to see it? Yes. Yep. All right. So you have to imagine, I'm going to step away from the mic, but imagine that I have a rifle in my hands and okay. I will hold my hands. So they have this is going to play so well in the podcast. Rifle. Yeah. Okay. okay you, imagine, guys, you guys get to react. Imagine yeah. that, uh, pay attention to our reactions and imagine that Kevin's you are standing seeing, up. Now saying, he's taking his pants down. Stab. Oh, he's. Hit. Oh. Butt, butt, slash, stab, stab, <laughs> stab, twist. Wait, now in slow motion. Oh, okay. Do it in slow motion? Yeah. All right. So, so you're holding your rifle. You're in the action hit. stance. Oh, 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 okay. Stab. You stab no, them. I, I need you more in character. Stop smiling. This is, this is a no, duel I'm, to the death. Is, I'm smiling This is a dirty Jerry. He's winning. The fa- yeah, because this means I'm winning if I get to complete this, pre- this rifle. Drive. If, right. if. We don't know yet. Stab. Stab. Okay. Hit. That, okay, now you're you're basically tossing. He's, 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 reversed the, he's reversed the stock of the weapon and struck you under the chin with Okay, so now you're hitting with the other side of the weapon, the hit. blunt end. Oh, hit. you hit him twice with the butt, with the stock butt. Yeah. Slash. You slash back down the to the, uh, almost the original position. Correct, with the bayonet. Yeah. Stab. Yeah, stab with the bayonet. Stab. A double stab. 
stab. What's that? What's that? That was straight down because he's down on the ground now. This strike is down to the ground level because you're assuming that your foe is on the ground by this point. If he's been stabbed three times already. Stab. Yeah. Twist. Twist. See, the old. See, but twist that's at the that's end. where you're gonna fail against me, because uh-huh. that's not gonna be enough to put me on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> three three stabs and four butts to the face. Come on, man. Yeah. Uh, I would probably argue that most people would be down after whip. Yeah. <laughs> the first yeah. strike. Most people will be down. So that well, presumably is... you've already shot him three times in the heart by the time you get that close. <laughs> well, no. By the time you get that close, you're either out of ammunition or you're trying to take him in a fortified position. I so. wouldn't. I wouldn't swing a loaded rifle like that personally. Uh, so it's uh it. it that is what is actually taught in the Canadian military uh, at the end of a bayonet charge. That's what you're, uh, you're, is drilled into you. And the fact that I did that 20 years ago and I still remember it. One of the complaints about the M16 50 years ago was that the plastic stock would be unsuitable for use as a club compared to the heavy wood stocked M14. You know what? I, uh, the Canadian military uses uh, the AR-15 design, which right. is very similar to the M16. And that plastic's pretty hard. I suspect that it would hurt maybe 85% of a wooden stock. So probably good enough to put you on your ass. You're pro- it's, it's maybe a it was laugh. different 50 years ago, though. Now, it's- what about the M4? There were apparently many criticisms regarding the issue of the M4 carbine as it's to its complete uselessness as a blunt-edged weapon. Uh-huh. Due to its lightweight, short length, and collapsible stock. That makes sense. Uh, it's only our uh, reconnaissance guys that carry this. The, uh, the Canadian version is called the C9, I believe. The C7 is the, is the AR-15, and the C9 is the, uh, the shorter, more compact. Okay. Yeah, with the collapsible stock. So like when you're jumping out of an airplane so you can get behind enemy lines, it doesn't uh, get uh, caught up in all your equipment. Yeah, all the parachute equipment. Mm-hmm. That's important. Yeah, that's all the stuff that you do not want to malfunction once you jump out of a plane. Well, having gone to guns, I want to mm-hmm. come back to clubs. Trench warfare in World War I. That's when you pick up trenches and hit people with them? Yeah, yeah that's trench warfare. <laughs> trench maces it. were used in World War One. Yeah, of course, uh, both sides constructed elaborate trench and dugout systems ex- opposing each other along a front, protected from assault by barbed wire. Everyone knows that. Uh, trench warfare was employed on the Western Front from September 1914 until the last weeks of the war. By the end of October 1914, the whole front of in Belgium and France had solidified into lines of trenches as it became clear infantry assaults were futile in the face of artillery and machine gun fire. Mm-hmm. Both sides concentrated on breaking up enemy attacks and on protecting their own troops by digging deep into the ground. Since the troops were often not adequately equipped for trench warfare, improvised weapons were common in the first encounters, such as short wooden clubs and metal maces, as mm-hmm. well as trench knives and brass knuckles. The trench uh, maces I've seen actually essentially almost look like a tenderizing hammer yeah, that you'd right. use on meat. And mm-hmm. they were used when you were above the guy and you'd swing them down into the trench right, often right. because once you're in the trench, you're not going to be able to wind that up. Yeah. Yeah. And these weapons are all relatively short because of the close quarters. I mean, once you're in a trench, yeah. you haven't got a lot of swinging room. Exactly. Yeah, and all the rifles were really long at that point in time, so I'm yeah. sure that it was you couldn't ever bring your weapon to bear on a guy who was right on top of you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The Highlanders and their claymores just did not succeed that well in trench warfare. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in the modern era, one of the more famous bludgeonings that we all probably remember because we're the right age was when I hit the- you. Uh, with my trench mace. Did you just say you hate me? Hit you? you. <laughs> he hit uh, you because he hates you. Uh, Tanya Harding and the whole Jeff Galuli uh, plotting to break Nancy Kerrigan's knee oh, so yeah. that she isn't she wouldn't be stiff competition for Tanya Harding at the U.S. Was Championship. that with a flail? 
No, it was an expanding baton. Oh, okay. I thought uh-huh. he had a mace. Yeah, yeah, yeah trench mace. Oh, <laughs> it wasn't nunchucks. I remember that much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they, uh, uh, the, the plot was, of course, to break her knee and make her unable to compete, and they ended up only bruising her leg. This was so, the dumbest plot, yeah. like in the history of dumb It, plot. it, it oh, was yeah. like this redneck weird drunken plot like hey oh, yeah. dude no like they were all sitting around getting loaded and yeah. say oh wouldn't it be awesome if we did this and then they actually did it right yeah they probably just stayed drunk my favorite part <laughs> my favorite part of yeah. the whole story yeah is that this happened at the uh at the world championship or the u.s championships right uh which tanya harding went on to actually place first in even and after the trenching even because well, at, at the clubbing? it actually happened at the championships and they didn't realize that she was part of it at that point so she went on to compete whereas nancy kerrigan could not and tanya harding won it so she qualified for the olympics i think they gave nancy kerrigan a free pass because she got clubbed by right. somebody else yep when you say a free pass what do you mean though she qualified for the olympics oh, so I see. uh but by the time the olympics rolled around tanya harding it had been now revealed that she was, if not directly involved, was at least complicit to it. Right. But for some legal loophole reason, they couldn't actually preclude her from competing. So Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding competed on the same skating team after it was proven that she was at the very least aware of the plot before it happened. Oh, that's a stink eye. (laughs) That's an awkward uh, change room. Awkward. Yeah, no, that's my favorite part is that can you even imagine like the I'm guessing the locker room? Lots of words that rhymed with witch. <laughs> <laughs> can you even imagine not precluding yourself? Oh, yeah. Like yeah, actually you going get to compete. Caught, you know, your ex-husband did it. Buddy knows and you're in that and you're like, "No, I'm going to skate. What do you do? I qualified. I'm going to skate in the Olympic. You can't stop me." And there's probably me. like a little bump and hip and a, you know, snap snap. <laughs> Like any kind of reasonable human being would be like, okay, yeah, you're, you're right. right. You got me. It would be so wrong of me to skate in this. This was a horrible thing to do. It's I'm my sure. dream. And then the uh, what the the full karmic circle comes back in that Tanya Harding finished eighth in competition, whereas Nancy Kerrigan won the silver. Oh. And had she not been bruised, might have won the gold. Or no. or that she wasn't that good a skater, and because she'd been bludgeoned, the judges kind of went a little bit easier it's on her. Who knows? Probably more likely. Yeah, we'll I remember know. watching those games and not thinking that Nancy Kerrigan was anything special. Even after all that, I didn't give a crap and I didn't watch. I, just, <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, horrible, terrible. It's still ice dancing. No, really. skating. I, I love the Winter Olympics. Da- I watch everything. Oh, that's right. Ice dancing is an actual thing. I'm sorry. It's dancing on hey, ice we, no matter what Canada won. It's upset everyone won the gold. I don't. But, uh, freaked everyone right out. It was actually a great like routine. Hey, no. We won the gold in Olympic knitting. <laughs> now, I'm surprised that's not an event. From a Tanya Harding kind of trying to even the scales of justice thing, this has nothing to do with blunt weapons, but just as like a little side Tanya Harding trivia in 1996 after she'd been banned for life from skating and she was like you know hadn't won anything she's it's done it's over uh she used mouth mouth resuscitation to revive an 81 year old woman Alice Olsen who collapsed at a bar in Portland while playing video poker Mm -hmm. Olsen went on to live another nine years Mm-hmm. After uh, someone's life. Being can you imagine? Oh my God! The the just kill stale me. cigarette breath coming <laughs> off of that trailer <laughs> Why trash. Did you let me die. <laughs> or how about waking up and like There's staring our... at Tanya Harding, going, oh. "Okay, lesser to evils." <laughs> Dying. You, dying from a heart attack. Or owing Tanya Harding your life. Or getting mouth to mouth resuscitation from Tanya Harding, who would, and this is at a bar. In so Portland. there's beer and oh, yeah. cigarettes on her breath. 
Well, she's been arrested like three times for drunk driving. Once she crashed her truck in a ditch and, and claimed like two days later when she finally revealed it was her truck that, uh, you know, she'd been uh, kidnapped at gunpoint and blah, blah, blah. If I'm 81, I'm taking death. <laughs> Item from March 15th, 2012. Uh, our good friends across the pond in Lincoln, Lincolnshire, UK. Gang. Where hobbits are from, right? That's where the hobbits with the big stovepipe hats and the weird oh. beards come ah, from. Lincolnshire. Yeah. And uh-huh. they, they spend all the time freeing slate. Mm-hmm. I think it's Lincolnshire, isn't it? They don't, like they don't say Shire, they say Sure. Yeah, whatever. Sure, Shire they do. Whose language is this anyway? You'd think the English would follow proper English pronunciation. They'd get the English right, you'd think. Uh, Gang bludgeons swan to death to eat after luring it ashore with bread. Okay. 
Uh, Callous poachers coaxed a swan to shore with breadcrumbs before clubbing it to death with nail-embedded sticks and taking it away to eat. This was the third such attack on swans in the area in the last six months, sparking fears of a swan-poaching crime wave. Lincoln has a large population of migrants from Eastern Europe where a swan is considered a delicacy, Mm -hmm. but officers have refused to speculate on the nationality of the attackers because the attackers could be English, simply killing swans to serve to Eastern Europeans who think it's a delicacy. I see where you're going with that. Or Uh, they could just be really, really hungry and see giant bird. (laughs) Or they could hate immigrants and are trying to set them up. I see Uh, what you're saying. Well- Here's the thing. I mean, we're not talking about a third world country. We're talking about England, where you can pretty much go to a shop and get food anytime you like. But not swan. Uh, that is true. That is true. Have you tasted swan, Kevin? Okay. I want to start I, a swan farm. Yeah, yeah I kinda, we need to farm swans. I agree. I, I kind of want. Some cash on this. I kind of want to try swan. I just now. totally do. It's probably like Tastes royal like chicken. chicken. Royal chicken, you know, really? like it's regal a regal chicken. bird. It's beautiful. It seems they seem very proud of very, like they seem like they're a mean proud too. Species. So it's okay to eat them. What about right. what about turkey? What about turkey? How do you think it compares to turkey? I, I don't oh, really it's like, like turkey magic much. in your you mouth. You can taste the stupid in turkey, though. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> wow. There's a, a superstition part of this story as well. Okay. There's a uh, Brayford Pool, it's called. And local legend decrees that if the swans ever leave Brayford Pool, that Lincoln's Norman-built cathedral, which overlooks the waterway, will crumble to the ground. So, Joe, you're with me. You want to go take the swans out of the pond now, right? Yeah, let's... For uh, science. That, we totally that need sounds, to test that. That is a testable claim. Yeah, that's a testable yeah. claim. We need to take all the swans out, forcibly keep them out for of science. the pond for science. I, I totally want to try a swan now. Okay. I gotta, this I one admit. just lay down on this roasting spit. I couldn't, <laughs> it, couldn't it, stop it. It was depressed. It wanted to die. Yeah. I uh, yeah I mean I'm an I'm an unapologetic carnivore uh-huh. and oh, yeah uh, they weren't just eating them. Are they you a swanivore though? I pretty much yeah I I wanted I mean, now I want to taste swan. Yeah I'm me totally too. Swan. I'm it's in just swan. a PR thing like because swans look nice and that's they're pretty. Why we don't eat swans. We don't yeah. eat pretty animals usually. Yeah, it's a general rule. I mean, cows are do, nice looking. We don't eat pelicans either, and they're pretty fucking ugly. This is true. <laughs> they are. They are fugly. Uh, the Inuit eat pelican. They are fugly. <laughs> but really, who wants to eat the, the majority of them? Is that huge beak pouch? Which is yeah, gonna be cartilage and some sort of like yeah, but you fill that with cheese or something. Oh, oh pelican fondue. Now we're no. talking right out of the bill. Yeah, I like it. How about this? You cook a pelican stew in, in the beef. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Exactly. Cut off the rest. It's all yeah. It's Somebody it, on the Food Network dish. has to do this on their like extreme food show or whatever. Right? There must be some kind of a turducken that's like a, a pelican, <laughs> pelican. In kind of a, inside, inside of a swan albatross. inside of a penguin, inside a penguin a... inside of a pelican inside of a swan. Yeah, I wonder inside why inside of an emu. There's a bunch <laughs> of birds. <laughs> Indeed. There's a lot of inside birds of we don't eat. Maybe it's just because like. You know, they tried them once and went, eh, not as good as chicken and harder to catch. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. As a general rule, your swans are much harder to farm. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure. Those long necks always get in the way. They and take they're up mean. more space. They're mean. The Makes barn. it much, much easier to kill, though. That's <laughs> just, that's just true. grab and spin them around a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Grody to it's the max. a typical max. swan. <laughs> March 28th, 2012, Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, these are where the best news stories come from. Oh, yeah. To Florida A&M University, which we will refer to from now on as FAMU, mm-hmm. uh, faculty members were present at as banned fraternity pledges were hazed at the home of one of the professors in early 2010. Okay. All right. So uh, hazing, not generally looked on as a positive thing. So a university professor gets behind it, mm-hmm. says, you know what? Take the hazing off the streets, put it in my home. <laughs> That's right. 
I'm sure there's gonna make no the seats, sexual the, aspect to the it at all. Safe. This is like one of those parents at a dry grad who tries to be cool by letting all the kids drink at his or her house. Oh, yeah. maybe. And then you, they end up drinking with you, and you're like, why is this 47-year-old person drinking with us? That was two days after the hazing death of FAMU drum major Robert Champion while the March 100 band was in Orlando for a football game. Champion suffered from blunt trauma while aboard a band bus and died from shock due to severe internal bleeding. But these are okay. separate incidents. So when you said yes. band, you mean like musical band? Yes. When you said band fraternity pledges, I'm like, yeah, I'm me like, too. I'm like, yeah. Why are they letting people who are banned be fraternity pledges? Oh, no, like, no, these are music nerds. One I knee, gotcha. one knee, one end, like, one end. In fact, I think they're actually marching band. There was an incident where somebody in a marching band was killed in a hazing incident. Yeah. They died. Yeah. And two days after that, more hazings. More hazing. Oh, gotta get about back that. in that hazing horse. <laughs> yeah, that's clearly it. we weren't doing it right the first time. <laughs> you get a good, but, if we don't keep that. hazing, the terrorists have already won. <laughs> Champion's death was just one in a series of hazing events involving the FAMU band. Uh, witnesses to the 2010 incident told police that fraternity members repeatedly slapped pledges on the back or neck, known as prepping uh-huh. or mm. necking, not the good kind of necking. Yeah. That d- one pledge told police his buttocks were bruised because he was also paddled with a thick piece of wood. And there's our bludgeoning. Yeah. Uh-huh. About 14 pledges, several fraternity members, and the two professors ate a spaghetti dinner at Hollow at Professor Holloway's home before the hazing began. <laughs> Holloway joined in the prepping and necking. Because nothing, nothing gets you. Oh, you know what? They need to carbo load so that they could keep yes. prepping have, all night. Have, have these people bred? Because if they haven't, we need to sterilize them to prevent the human gene pool from getting oh, no. a little shallower. I bet, you, I bet you they had garlic bread with their uh, with their spaghetti. If <laughs> that's what you're wondering, yeah, Kevin wins. Uh-huh. So let's strike him somewhere that's going to be not dangerous. Uh, how about the neck? That's that's where I would start. I was going to jam this fork in his eye first. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think that might hurt him. But the neck is nothing important goes through <laughs> yeah. the neck. So uh-huh. let's. Guys, everybody, uh, only hit around the neck region. The neck and I yeah. think that's going to be, be fair. Safe. To be fair, one witness said that his buttocks were bruised. So yeah, they do. They that's do. True. They do. Uh, they spread it around. Equal opportunity. Maybe yeah. they were hitting that, and they're like, "Well, this feels too safe." Yeah. <laughs> this is all padded. Yeah. People are used to it. It's expected. Yeah. <laughs> this makes me feel weird. I'm just going to hit him in the neck. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm that's sorry. right. I'm too close to his bikini zone, so yeah. I'm going to like go somewhere. Much less sexual Wait, it, brain it, zone. It's okay if I get a boner zone. if I'm hitting him in the neck and not the buttocks. <laughs> like, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. State attorney office declined to prosecute because of uncertainty by the witnesses over when the hazing happened. There's only a two-year statu- statute of limitations for misdemeanor hazing. <laughs> oh, death is not a misdemeanor. Here, here's my favorite part is that the ringleader was actually the professor. Like, yeah. you sit there and go, okay, hazing incident. Yeah, okay, I've heard it all. I mean, you got some 20-year-old who thinks this is funny or whatever, or weird, and, yeah. and blah, blah, blah. And then, But when you find out that the professor kind of was leading the charge and you he really... and actually held the event at his home mm-hmm. and served dinner to the guests before <laughs> the hazing began. <laughs> we got to keep, keep your energy up. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the part that I find utterly baffling. Like, I, I mean, I've Ulterior never thought hazing. Motive. I've never thought hazing was a good idea, even when I was like a freshman in college. But I'll tell you, now that I'm sort of like getting into professored age, I certainly, <laughs> I certainly would never consider hazing a good idea. Okay, Professor Hugosaurus. Pop culture? Yeah. Brian Blessed fights with a mace in Flash Gordon. <laughs> of course he does. Uh-huh. It could also be argued that his teeth could be a blunt weapon. Yeah. 
His voice is a blunt weapon. That man has the most amazing set of chompers I have ever seen. Well, and the beard and the voice and everything. He's a treasure. My Hawkman. A national treasure. Oh, I don't know if I have much more to say. It's about Birdman. Yeah, no, he, he's got a mace. Pretty, you know, it's weird trying to find pop culture references to, to blunt objects. I just assume swords are sexier for that whole Freudian penetrative thing going on and everyone uses swords. Yeah, and, usually in any good like uh, yeah. medieval war movie, there's the dude with the mace. Yeah, whatever, there's like that one guy. The dude part with of the, the story war hammer. Like that. Yeah. They rarely show the power of those weapons, though. Like, they yes. rarely let you... Like, when you get hit by a sword, they'll cut you in half or cut bits off or there'll be blood everywhere. And... When you get hit by a blunt weapon that's made to do that, it's massive damage, but it's the kind of damage they don't like to show in a movie. Yes, because you know, it's visceral. Yeah, it's broken like your bone. Head, your, it's, yeah. You don't get your head cut off in a nice clean neck cut and you get to do the thing where he stands there and smiles and then his head falls off. Instead, <laughs> his entire brain's going to cave in and there's going to be crap splattering everywhere. And the thing that the person was is no longer even represented anymore. The, um, mm. the Ultimate Warrior clip that was sent around with the Celtic Barda and the guys hitting the suspended heads the those de- things exploded the yeah. uh, the deadliest warrior clip yeah sorry deadliest warrior right you're just those in an things that you're not that person yeah, anymore they exploded one of my favorite long chain flail style weapons in a movie kill bill with Gogo. The Menrico oh, sorry, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that scene is so awesome. That whole sequence yeah. with yes. her. Because you sort of like she's always she's on the periphery and she's doing her thing and you just like you know that she's gonna like kinda coming to her own at some point in time during this movie mm-hmm. and just coming down the stairs, like she, dragging that thing behind her. She is the pistol on the wall yeah. that they talk about when they yeah. say, if you have a pistol on the wall, you're going to have to use that later yes. on. Yeah. She, yeah. You're just like, Oh yeah. Don't we're, show the we're weapon. See something yeah. cool with and her. what is it going to be? And how's yeah. it going to manifest itself? Oh. And a uh, kill bill part one is uh, definitely the better of the two kill bills. Mm. And that is my favorite sequence in the whole movie. Uh, Lord of the Rings. The mace. Sauron had that giant mace. Well, the, the Witch King of Angmar had the giant flail. That's true. Uh-huh. And Peter Jackson apparently kept telling him to make it bigger to the point yeah. where the prop company eventually made one that was so big. They were like, there's no way. He- oh, crap. He used it. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. In fact, it was too big for that. That's the image. It was too big for the actor to lift. So the times when you see it rising off of the ground, there's actually someone underneath it pushing it. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. A little insider trivia there. Mm-hmm. Well, he was supernatural witch king yeah. guy. Yeah. I love that scene in Braveheart where uh, he storms oh, yeah. into that castle on horseback and the, 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 the bedchamber, the room just happens to have a door big enough for a horse <laughs> to horse, charge yeah. through. That happens. Uh, but yeah, and he unfurls that giant flail and smashes... Uh, it's exactly what Joe was just saying. That's yeah. what it would look like. And yeah. it's not yeah. a pretty, cinematic, exactly. beautiful, it's your head is now mush. As it, for the size of that door, you don't want to know what that noble was into. Like, <laughs> let's just say he had it specially made to no, fit horses into his bed. The fact chamber. that the horse got that, up the stairs. Just yeah, like, that yeah. room. Uh, also, you would think that uh, if you're on top of a horse, how low do you have to swing down to hit someone who's in bed? In the scene itself, when he like drops it and it like you know it's on a, a longer than normal chain, I would right. imagine like yeah. they make that quite plain. That are we done with movies? Or should we yeah. go on? Yeah, there's on. more to mention, but yeah, there's that guy in the first Conan movie who had the huge Thorgrim. Is yeah. that his name? He Thorgrim, had that huge yeah. hammer and the stupid yeah. look in his face yeah. the entire time. Yeah. Well, there's the there's the axe hammer from Resident Evil and the whole thing, right. and it's like, mm-hmm. I, of course, I spent the last two Resident Evil movies screaming, "You can't get to Alaska in a helicopter." So let's do mm-hmm. this instead. 
mention that we're running out of time, so please post on causticsortofpodcast.com under the show notes for this what your favorite blunt weapon from the movies is. In comics, you've got Hawkman and Hawkgirl. Oh, yeah. Oh, with, yeah. Their, they maces. Maces. with their maces that they keep trying to turn into something worthwhile. Was it uh, N-Metal? Is that what they're made yeah, of? Yeah, something oh. like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one of them, uh, I think in one of the animated series, it was like electrified or yeah. something. Yeah, just an electro mace. Yeah. They, yeah. they keep trying to explain why somebody whose power is, we've got wings, can <laughs> stand up to things that are fighting Superman. And yeah. let's face it, Batman. Yeah, well, she's basically yeah. got a super technological, magical mace. And it ties into the kind of Cthulhu story. Right. Uh, in one of the episodes of Justice League as well, that right. Thanagar had a past with a bunch of necromancers or whatever yeah. relationships with the great and old ones and I stuff was, like but that. But it's been written and rewritten so many oh, yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. science, there's Red magic. Con, it's, uh, yeah. All you need to know is that they carry maces and yeah. other medieval weapons. True that. There have been some good hot girl representations. I think in the Justice League, she yeah. was really badass. I have never seen Hawkman and thought, oh, I like this character. No. No, never. Hawkman just Not seems once. kind of thrown no. together. Yeah. It was almost just like, what were you thinking? Yeah. No. No, it was wings fetish probably the 1930s you know? at the time. It was just the time saying, when you yeah. would take Thing Man and just put them together. <laughs> Hawkman! Batman! He's gonna have a, yeah, Batman. Superman! Spider-Man! Ringworm yeah. Man! Mm-hmm. And Daredevil had those batons. Yes, he had yeah. the batons. And yeah, yeah. Well, he used them to swing from roof to roof, right? Yeah, they were had like an extendable spring. chain spring load thing. They never explained how this could be possible. They yeah. Would yeah. Shoot and contract and then shoot again without him winding up a little spring. Because it's not like he was an adventurer or rich no. or any of this. He was just this dude, and <laughs> a blind dude, basically. A blind lawyer. Yeah. Well, at one point, wasn't it? It was his like blind cane was somehow yeah. involved it, it, in it. It basically was a three section staff that he yeah. turned into a cane and he could turn it into his daredevil weapon and yeah yeah it's it's Which kind you got of like at the superhero supply store pretty much i yeah. was never a fan of daredevil until yeah. i read the very first appearance of punisher in yes. daredevil oh, okay. and that was awesome is that the one but i liked punisher a lot more than i liked daredevil yeah. Yeah. and i read a little bit more daredevil because that that particular issue was really cool mm-hmm. and then i'm like i realized the thing i liked about that issue was not the protagonist. Yeah. Uh, now, in the movie Daredevil, did he use that as well in yeah. the same sort of manner? Exactly mm-hmm. the same manner. And you know what? For all that, that movie gets a ton of criticism. I'd say it doesn't dissolve it, deserve uh, it. The fight scenes are good. The fight no, scenes are good. they are not. I like the first one. Well, then you are wrong. Wrong. Okay, apparently I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, how about how about the uh, the one where he mysteriously ends up in some sort of like fight choreographed dance thing with Elektra on the teeter-totters? That is the most ridiculous thing ever. I agree with you. Yeah, the uh, places that showed the movie should have been burnt down as a result <laughs> of having like this in the movie. And this, then at the end of this sequence, they don't know that each other, they still like pretend that nobody knows who the other is. Like, he's a blind guy. It's maybe the most ridiculous thing that has ever been committed to film. Uh, and of course, in the World Wildlife Federation of Justice, there's Boomerangatan. Aw, uh, very cute. And in cartoons, mm-hmm. Captain Caveman... Oh, nice. yeah, of course. Yeah. They <laughs> carried a large club. The Cornucopia which, Club, right? That everything came out of the end of it. Yeah, I think I think that's been so long since I've seen Captain Caveman. Yeah. Yeah, no, it would like the end would open up and like birds would come out of it. Yeah, things would come out of it. And like he would Didn't like it also give him the power to fly, wasn't like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like yeah. Thor's hammer. Yeah, right. totally. I think the vast majority of our listeners have probably never heard of Captain Well, Caveman. now's the time to look into Captain Caveman. Captain Caveman. You know what we have cool. to do is when you announce it, you have to put in the Captain Caveman. Yeah, which I believe is voiced by Mel Blanc. 
Oh, really? Probably. Yeah. He did yeah, everything well, else. He actually yeah. didn't actually say any words, right? He's no. It was like very Tasmanian yeah, devil, yeah, right? Yeah. I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it was good, but I enjoyed it when I was like 10. <laughs> yeah, when you were a young lad. Yeah. yeah. And Panthro of the Thundercats had his uh, cat-themed nunchucks. Do you guys remember that? Okay, let's get a, no. let's get a picture of that. They Panthro? showed claws from the end. I do not remember this. These are all- now. I will note you said had. There is a new Thundercats series yes, right, right now, and I've only watched a little bit of it, but it looks okay. I oh. I like the original. And are they or are they not making a Thundercats movie? And if they do, will there be cat nunchucks? Oh, okay. So he could if he hits you with it, you get kind of no. Scraped. He can shoot the claws. Yeah. The twist is that when thrust like a whip, a blue si- the blue side fired projectiles and the red fired energy blasts. I don't right. know if anyone remembers it was that. how to give they needed to give Panthro a distance weapon. All right, remember. It I too. don't think I've ever watched an episode of the old Thundercats. I've it, watched enough of it to go, "This is ridiculous," yeah. and then not watch it. It had its it, '80s moments, its it '80s al- cartoon moments. It just always seemed to me I might as well just watch He Man. <laughs> I might as well just watch <laughs> She-Ra. Lion, oh, snarf, snarf. <laughs> you want- won't get that in He Man, my friend. <laughs> you know what? You just doing that made me want to kill you. <laughs> I forgot how annoying that character was. Thank you. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling. An ominous feeling. A feeling you know that. We'll be back when the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you want to hear about We will Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while he was receiving maggot therapy. To comment on episodes, make a donation, see show notes, links, and videos, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Zzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzzz